The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. We are live from SEC Media Days 2023 here in Music City, USA in Nashville, Tennessee. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Lots to talk about today as we are 47 days away from the kickoff of Auburn football. And what way, uh, no better way really to do it than here at SEC Media Days 2023. Uh, everybody on ESPN 106.7, you just got done hearing Doug Amos of the Max Roundtable from 11 to 2 to 4. Our show on the line from 2 to 4 and then the drive from 4 to 6. That is part of seven straight hours of local uh, coverage here at SEC Media Days on ESPN 107. My name is Jacob Goins. My co-host Carter Bird back in the Auburn Network studio. Carter, happy Monday, brother. Hope you're doing well from uh, from Nashville. Oh, yeah. Everything's great here in the studio. I, I, I got Ben here helping me out, and we everything, <laughs> it's it's very smooth sailing on, on our end. Well, love to hear that, man. Well, look, I hope you're doing well. We've got so much to talk about today. I, I, like I said, we are 47 days away from the start of Auburn football, SEC Media Days, the next four days here at the Hyatt in Nashville. What a great setup it is here. They, we, you know, we were in Atlanta last year, and uh, while the College Football uh, Hall of Fame was great, They've really got this looking good here. Radio Row just going all up and down this hallway. The main media room and the electronic media room are right back behind me here. Uh, and so we've got a great location for, for our, ourselves here on Radio Row at SEC Media Days. Uh, but thanks to our sponsors, that's the reason we're here. Uh, the reason is to give you all the information, but they are uh, why we could be here. And so I want to make sure we show them some love. Our three sponsors here for SEC Media Days, the Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones, Farmers Insurance, and then Wickles Pickles. So big, big thank you to those three uh, for making this possible, making this trip to Nashville for the week possible. So what we've seen already today, uh, Greg Sankey, Commissioner of the SEC, took the main stage to kick things off as he always does. Carter, you and I will talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. Then Brian Kelly, head coach of the LSU Tigers, he took the main stage as well. He was the first coach to talk. I uh, was able to sit in and listen on that. Jimbo Fisher's in there right now of Texas A&M. And Carter, uh, word on the street is he's saying a lot of words very, very quickly. So uh, we'll talk about <laughs> what he has to say. I'll keep up with it on Twitter. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely make uh, some comments about that as well. We've got some great guests on the show. It's going to be jam-packed all week long, folks. You know how it is at SEC Media Days. It's going to be one guest after the other, audio one day after the other. So here's what's on tap for you today. We'll talk about who's already talked, right? Then coming up at 2.30, we have Gary Stokan, the Peach Bowl uh, CEO and president. We had him on last year. He's a fantastic guest. Talk about the changes to what the Peach Bowl is going to look like, how the college football playoff impacts that, and some of the matchups they have already set. So we'll talk to him coming up 
at 2.30. Then at 3.15, Andrew Stefaniak of Locked On Aggies. That is the Locked On Texas A&M podcast. We'll talk to him about what Jimbo has to say here at SEC Media Day. So excited to have him on the show. Then at 3.30, it's Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Joined me on the show last year. One of my favorite guests of the entire week will join us live here at the table at 3.30. So that's what's coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Sit back, relax. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Carter, let's jump into it. Uh, I was telling you, and, and I know you were listening before before we came on the air, Greg Sankey took the, the main podium today mm -hmm. as SEC commissioner, and he was very stern today. He was very serious. Um, he, he, had a, he had a couple of messages that he wanted to get to everybody here at Media Days, the fans watching at home, everybody covering SEC Media Days. And the two points that he really, really hit on were NIL and the gambling problem in college athletics. So we'll start with the NIL. And, and Carter, the big thing that he talked about, he, he called on Congress once again and said they are the ones that have to step in and make this equal and really make it uniform across college athletics. Your thoughts on what Sankey had to say about NIL? I mean, I'm not shocked, and I think he has to say that right now, especially with, I mean, the school that we're seeing right now at the podium in the main room, uh, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, they've pretty much come out and said that despite the NCAA saying, hey, you have to adhere to our rules and you can't just go off your state laws. They've said, hey, we're going to go by the state law. And they basically uh, dared the NCAA to come after them to, to do something about it. I'm not sure what the NCAA can do in reality. That's, I mean, if, even if they try to do something, I think there's a solid chance that it, were to, it would get struck down in some capacity. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with him. Right now, the only the only I guess body that I think can do anything about NIL in its current state is Congress. Do I think Congress is going to do something? I'm not sold on that yet. I mean, maybe because you you've had all of these coaches uh, and all these reps from all these schools go up to D.C. here recently. Uh, we know Auburn sent Hugh Freeze, Coach Johnny Harris. Uh, Bruce Pearl and John Cohen up there. Uh, we've seen other schools doing it as well. I'm not sold that Congress is going to do anything about it yet. And I'm not sold that even if Congress did do something, they're going to necessarily fix it. Uh, it's right. just NIL is just that big of an just beast out there right now, and it's hard to kind of corral it. Yeah, and that's interesting you brought up about the state laws because Sankey had a really good quote, and I wrote it down. He said, the athletes in this conference, they deserve better than the patchwork of state laws because, Carter, let's be honest, that's what it is. I mean, the state laws are all over the place. They obviously differ across all 50 states, and when it comes down to are colleges going to listen to their state laws that benefit them or listen to the NCAA that – poorly represents their schools, they're going to go with the state laws. And I think that's why Sankey brought that up. And again, he said athletes deserve better than the patchwork of state laws and really just called on Congress for un uniformity. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, he also addressed the sports gambling issue, of course, with uh, Alabama baseball and, and former baseball coach Brad Bohannon. Didn't name them by name specifically, but uh, he I don't think there was anybody here that didn't know who he was talking about. But yeah, it really just addressed 
address things in a in a very serious matter. Um, he also the news broke a little bit before, but uh, he did inform us all that SEC Media Days next year in 2024 will be in Dallas, and so uh, excited to take that trip next year to Dallas, Texas, where of course Texas and Oklahoma will then be a part of the conference. So uh, I jumped on Doug's show on the Max Roundtable. We were trying to get Steve, our, our GM at Auburn Network, to to get us a private jet to go out there. We only have you know some small asks to go out to Dallas <laughs> next year. Well, you know, I mean, you left yesterday at 10 a.m. If if uh, you don't get that that plane, that private jet that you're uh, campaigning for, you're gonna be leaving at 5 a.m., buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the drive from Auburn to Dallas is not going to be a short one. So I I, I am excited to see it in Dallas. And, and Sankey talked about you know moving media days to different locations around the conference with it being in nashville this year dallas next year that'll represent texas and texas a&m and so no excited for uh, for that to be in dallas he also did um he did honor mike leach of course he uh, mike leach was with mississippi state this time last year and then the mm-hmm. past in december and so uh, he had some really touching words about about mike leach and, and some good conversations that they had together and and the fact that and the fact that he's just not here, and it is going to be different. It is. It's going to be different when Mississippi State rolls in and, and Mike Leach is not representing him. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know the personality and character that Mike Leach was. I mean, he hit, there's that mm-hmm. um, very funny graphic from Media Day's past. of the They counted up all the words of every SEC coach's opening statement, and it was like the – some of them were 1,200 words, all this stuff. I think the smallest one uh, was like three, 400 words. And then you got to Mike Leach, and it said seven. Uh, and that's just kind of that's, <laughs> that's who, he, who he was. He just kind of would open yep. it up and let you ask questions, and you didn't know what direction the answer was going to go because, I mean, he'd tell you stories about raccoons or he'd tell you about that um, football and, and war tactic tactics class that he helped teach at Washington State. Um, he would talk about Netflix shows that he was watching and asking people what shows they watched on Netflix. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. it, it, it was it was something interesting because Mike Leach was one of the guys that really made Media Days as special as it is because you and I talked about this last week previewing SEC Media Days, but you get to know a lot of these people on a personal level, whether it be other media mm-hmm. members or the coaches or the players. Like That's the part of this that makes it so fun. And so uh, I was glad that Sankey had something to say about Mike Leach. Let's transition into the first head coach, though, that took the stage here in Nashville, Brian Kelly of LSU. And coming off of his first year in the conference, of course, they won the SEC West. They went and played against Georgia in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Carter, Brian Kelly talked a lot about learning in the SEC. SEC in year one, how he was walking into something unknown, coming from Notre Dame into the SEC. He talked about how he learned a lot in that first year and how LSU needs to be more consistent in in year two and beyond and consistent by competing in the SEC West. Uh, he also talked about, somebody asked a really good question before I was able to, about Jaden Daniels, who uh, I think most people would agree is a top three quarterback in this conference. Uh, he talked about how he has gotten better in the offseason, but has to continue to get better for LSU to be successful. Yeah, how about the fact that, I mean, I've seen it uh, discussed that he reaffirmed that Jaden Daniels is LSU's starting quarterback. Was that? He did. Did I, did did. I, did I, did I miss something? Was that? 
in question so, because so there was a uh, oh yeah Dan Peck, Dan Peck joining us. Uh, I, I was the there. Drive, yeah, I was there in the down. small room. I actually got a question into uh, to Coach Kelly. There was a question about whether or not LSU was planning on utilizing a two quarterback system this year. They did play. Uh, was it was it uh, Nussmeyer? It's, it's, Nussmeyer. I was going to say Alt, yeah. Altmeyer. I know that's wrong. That's that was LSU's quarter. That was Ole Miss's quarterback. Uh, Nussmeyer, I believe, was. Uh, he was used a lot in the bowl game, which, yes. which had, uh, which had yeah. LSU thinking. You know, maybe he maybe had an increased uh, role this season. Uh, but no, I mean, Jaden Daniels right now is second only to Caleb Williams in in most Heisman odds. So the thought wow. that the thought that he's going to be. Uh, giving up the ball to the backup quarterback a lot seems unlikely now, to me. Now, I, I will say this, that Kelly, because the question was asked of him, and he said, look, Jaden Daniels is our starter for LSU, but the guys behind him are coming for his job. And, he, and that's what he was talking about, Jaden Daniels having to get better in 2023 because the guys behind him are coming for his job. Now, whether w- they're good enough to do that or not, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if, if Kelly is also playing with the possibility. It's harder than ever to keep a backup quarterback who could play somewhere else happy and on the team. Maybe he needs to dangle the carrot of more playing time yeah. for, for Nussmeyer. You know, the way Jaden Daniels plays, the possibility of injury is, is always there too. So maybe, the, you know, maybe there is a more realistic path to playing time for Nussmeyer yeah. than for your average number two quarterback in the conference right now. But no, that was, that was a response to a direct question. Uh, Brian okay. Kelly was asked about about how much they plan on using uh, their number two quarterback. So the the one thing that I do think is huge for Jaden Daniels going into year two is he had two freshman tackles last year that both turned out to be really really good. They're both back together, and when you can anchor the ends of your offensive line, it's a lot easier to protect your quarterback, keep him upright, and keep him healthy. We saw last year just how many quarterbacks went down with injury. You had. Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, Auburn, Alabama, just it felt like every team in the conference dealt with significant quarterback injuries uh, at certain points of the year. Having those anchors on your offensive line, I think, is going to be a huge plus for this LSU team. I think this offense is going to be a lot better in year two. Jaden Daniels being more confident, being more comfortable in the system. And of course, on the defensive side, you got Harold Perkins, and you've got some absolute dudes on that end. I mean, this LSU team, I think they've They're got a pretty man. good shot to to run it back in the West. One of one of the first, uh, I expect them to be voted as the favorite in, in the West later on this week at Media Days. I would agree with you, Carter. And one of the first questions Brian Kelly was asked was sort of about what's different this offseason versus last offseason. And the uncertainty on the offensive line was one of the first things he pointed to as, you know, last year, Brian, I think he even said, like, Brian Kelly last year stood up at Media Days and he didn't know any of his starters on the offensive line like there was competition all over the offensive line with with new players coming in uh and and there was not one guy he felt comfortable telling you was going to be a starter they they probably have all five spots Mm -hmm. uh, secured you know that that is a that's a world of difference from from last year to this year 100 percent you remember last year's team won the west so it's uh, it's remarkable to think yeah that they they have the uh, they have the luxury of bringing back as much experience on the offensive line, across the line, as as they do. And it's one of the reasons people like him as much as they do going into this season. Yeah. And, go try and to check out Jimbo. Yeah, I right, appreciate it, Dan. That's Dan Peck of The Drive. Go tell us. Go find out what uh, Jimbo's talking about in the main room. Great, great stuff, guys. I'll pop in later. Yes, sir. We'll do. Dan Peck of The Drive from 4 to 6 here on ESPN 106.7. But, yeah, to uh, just to kind of wrap this the LSU conversation up, Carter, I'm with you, man. I, I think LSU – 
the confidence is going to be there from Brian Kelly when it comes to who his guys are, who his starters are. Uh, and he talked about that too. He talked about being able to trust the guys that are on the field uh, and having the confidence to leave them out there, even if something goes wrong, having the confidence in them to back it up and mm -hmm. fix it before having to just go to the bench and find somebody else. So, no, I mean, I think I think it's LSU's West to lose yeah. because you and I have talked about it, and we will more on this week as well, but Alabama's gettable, right? Auburn's probably not going to be there yet in year one under Hugh Freeze, and so the West is wide open, man, and I yeah. think it's LSU's to lose. Yeah, I mean, and, and I agree with that. I, th I think I'm curious to see how much better A&M is going to be this year because – for some reason, I feel like we are falling back in that trap where everybody talks themselves into A&M that we do every year and get yeah. an eight and four season. Besides last well, year, where, so where they went five and do. seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah because so the, the, the talents there. Uh, you have a national championship winning head coach. All of that is there, and we will talk more about A&M coming up, I'm sure. But yes. Brian Kelly talking about consistency that sticks out to me because think about last year, they they looked horrendous in that opener versus a good FSU team. We thought both of them were going to be bad at the time. They both turned out to be good. Uh, they ended their regular season with a loss to that same Texas A&M team that was awful. And there were ups and downs throughout the season. They obviously got the win against Alabama. They destroyed Ole Miss. They arguably should have lost to Auburn. Like, it was a very odd season of up and down. If they can play at a high level consistently – they're going to be a problem for everybody in the SEC West. We'll talk some more about Texas A&M and the rest of SEC Media Days from day one here in Nashville as we're live on Radio Row here on ESPN 106.7. This is the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, we're back here live on Radio Row at SEC Media Days 2023 here on ESPN 106.7 out of Auburn, part of our seven straight hours of local coverage of SEC Media Days. I'm Jacob Goins. Carter Bird back in the ESPN 106.7 studio. And, Carter, our timing's terrible, man. They just wheeled by the biggest table of cupcakes, chips, and cookies I've ever seen in my entire life, and it was just out of my reach, and I couldn't get it. So uh, they've been taking care <laughs> of us. But, but that table is about 10 yards away from me, and uh, just t terrible timing. I don't know why they do that to me. Yeah, I mean, they. I'm sure they decided, oh, hey, Jacob Goins went to break. Uh, let's do it right <laughs> as he's coming back from, from break, I'm sure. Oh, they're doing it again. Look at there. Two big things, of cupcakes, cookies. They got. Hey, they threw some fruit on there to be healthy, too. But, man, they are taking care of us here in Nashville at SEC Media Days. And, and the, reason, uh, the reason this is all possible is because of our wonderful sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you. Tim Jones Farmers Insurance. Tim Jones has been serving the community as a farmer's agent for over 30 years. As you prepare for whatever's down the road, he is here to help and Wickles Pickles, the South's best pickles, 90 years in the making. Get wicked with Wickles Pickles. So, Carter, we were talking about Texas A&M a little bit, and you know that Jimbo Fisher is going to get the questions in the main room that was already in. I believe he's in the electronic media room behind me right now, and when he makes his pass through Radio Row, he's going to get the questions of when is it all going to come together, right, for this Texas A&M team, for this Texas A&M program who recruits better than most of anybody else in the entire conference and all of college football. 
it, when is the answer to that, Carter, in your mind? I mean, does it ever come together for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M? Because it feels like if it's not this year, Aggie fans may riot. Yeah, I mean, look, I think they're going to be better this year. I, I do believe that. I just – I'm not sold on Jimbo Fisher as a head coach because, frankly, he had three straight first-round quarterbacks at FSU when he had FSU at its peak in the Jimbo Fisher era. The absolute pinnacle of that peak was when he had a generational talent at quarterback. He has not had anything remotely close to that at a and I mean, Kellen Mond – was pretty good in 2020 and took him to the cusp of a playoff berth. But mm-hmm. ever since then, it's it's 8-4 and four or worse. He's His teams are not good enough, or I don't think he is a good enough coach to make a run, to win the West, to win the SEC, to play for a national championship without a generational talent at quarterback. And he consistently has not picked up that guy. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is think about what the SEC is doing around him as well now that Georgia has done what they've done, getting to be the program in the Southeastern Conference. Until Nick Saban retires, Alabama's still going to be a version of themselves. Uh, Let's say Auburn begins to get better under Hugh Freeze, right? The SEC, LSU doing what they're doing, like the SEC is just getting better. And and the teams around Texas A&M in the SEC West and, of course, next year when the, when the uh, divisions are no longer a thing, but you're getting better when you add Texas and Oklahoma as well. It's almost like Texas A&M's time with Jimbo Fisher maybe running out, question mark. I mean, it just seems like if not now, then when for Jimbo and Texas A&M, who, again, with NIL, they can recruit the best of the best. But, man, eventually you're paying the guy enough money. you got to start getting some results from Jimbo there in Aggieland. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard that they're going to give him the 24 season regardless of this year, just from some people speculating. Mm-hmm. Man, if, if you replicate this past year, this 5-7, and seven, or if you go 6-6, six and six, I have a hard time seeing that even though the price tag is enormous, that somebody in that area of the country with the money that they have is not going to be willing to stroke the check to get rid of Jimbo Fisher and move on and rip the Band-Aid off. Because when you look at this schedule going into this next year, I mean, you've got that road game at Miami. That'd be a really tough loss to take in Week 2. Miami's going to be better than they were last year. A&M should be too. It's a matter of who got better faster to me. Uh, And then, I mean, if you lose the Auburn game as well, you're setting yourself up for a path where it could be a very long, very, very difficult season because you've got Alabama and a road game at Tennessee back-to-back. You've also got that Mm -hmm. Arkansas game uh, in, in Arlington, which is never a game to sneeze at. That game always comes down to the wire it feels like and then you could look you got South Carolina at Ole Miss couple tough games there that could certainly be tricky and then you finish your season at the defending SEC West champions there is a scenario where if they don't figure things out on the offensive side of the ball and if that defense does not have a drop off despite the amount of talent that left the program in the offseason if they don't do those things this thing could spiral. We could be looking at another 6-6 six and six year. And if that, if that happens, 
like how many times does Jimbo Fisher have to keep telling you who yeah. he is yeah. before you're willing to move on? Well, let me uh, let me throw a, a little kink into all of this, a question that we've all been asking when it comes to Texas A&M. I know we got about a minute before we get to break. Jimbo was asked in the media in the electronic media room behind me. He was asked who will call plays on the offensive side, and here's the quote from Jimbo Fisher. He says, quote, I'm not going to get into that. Bobby was hired for a reason. Tremendous guy, tremendous football mind. Hopefully he'll call the game and have suggestions. So did that answer any of those questions? I don't think so. <laughs> Bobby, like Bobby was hired for a reason. Bobby was hired for a reason, and that's so he could have another year in College Station. <laughs> Maybe so. And, and I just don't get it, man. It seems like Jimbo just can't can't give it up right he can't give up the play calling maybe he will but maybe he won't but I just I it's hard for me to think that he won't have something to do with the offensive play calls even if he gives it let's say quote gives it up to Petrino Jimbo's still going to have a say in what happens on the offensive side of the ball so an interesting quote there from Jimbo Fisher but I know the music's about to bump us out of here when we come back we've got Gary Stokan of uh, the Peach Bowl CEO and president he'll be joining us when we come back to talk about the peach ball talk about the uh, the upcoming games and what the updated playoff coming up affects that really looking forward to that so stay tuned gary stokan joins us on the other side here on the monday edition of on the line live from nashville tennessee Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Jacob Goins with you here live on Radio Row in Nashville, Tennessee. My co-host Carter Bird back in the studio. And as promised, joined by Gary Stokin, once again, the Peach Bowl uh, president and CEO. Man, it's so nice to have you back on the show. I had you on last year. Really, really enjoyed it. So I appreciate you stopping by once again. Congratulations are in place for uh, you guys winning the Auburn Network. That's right. Yes, we. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. We announced that about a week ago. Yeah, that we just became the, the the rights holder for the local affiliate for the Auburn Sports Network there in Auburn, Opelika, our stations with Auburn Network. So we're very very excited Good for, you. for that. That's gonna make you a lot busier. Yes, it will. Yes, it will make us a lot busier. But uh, we're we're happy to do it and, and glad that we it's back good. home with the Auburn Network. Well, good. Glad to have. Glad to be here. And thanks for having us. Of course. Well, let's start talking about a few things. Uh, uh, you have a little bit of change now, right? Because now it's the AFLAC kickoff games coming up for the SCC. What what was all that like with the changing and AFLAC becoming the, the sponsor now? Well, we talked to Chick-fil-A. They want to stay as a part of the bowl game, so they'll still be the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, mm -hmm. still be our title partner, the longest title partner in bowl history. Wow. Uh, which is tremendous. They're a great partner. I often say their food is great, but their people are even better. Yep. Uh, so they've been a great partner of ours. And then um, when we talked to them, they said, hey, we're involved in the College Football Hall of Fame. We're involved with the bowl game. We want to take some of our money and do some other things. And they said, you know, uh, so we're going to step back from the kickoff game. We were blessed to be able to go to New York uh, Stock Exchange last year and start a new tradition, which will continue this year okay. by ringing the bell, opening bell to open college football season. Awesome, awesome, that's uh, fantastic. So this year we're gonna do it virtually from Mercedes-Benz Stadium 
oh, uh, which okay. would be pretty cool. But I met uh, Virgil Miller, who was the president of Aflac, at that uh, event last year, mm -hmm. and went up to him cold and just said, "Hey, you'd be a great partner for the kickoff game." Yeah, you're based in Georgia like we are. You're ba you're, you're passionate about college football, and you give a lot of money to uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. They gave $168 million to start the uh, Aflac Cancer Center. That's incredible. For kids. We gave $20 million in 2018. And so we have a commonality of finding cures to eradicate childhood cancer. September is Childhood Cancer Month. And our kickoff games are in September. So with all that community of interest, Virgil caught fire. Three, uh, three calls later, we had a title sponsor for the kickoff game. So How about that? Very blessed to have Aflac. They're excited. We're excited. And the next three years, this year, ACC conference opener with Georgia Tech Louisville. Next year, blockbuster Georgia Clemson. Yes. Which will be two top ten teams. And then in 25, we have two games, Tennessee and Syracuse, as well as Virginia Tech and South Carolina. Kind of back to that ACC-SEC matchup. All those games will be sold out. And at the end of the year, our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in, in 24 will have the uh, first uh, quarterfinal games yeah. of the CFP. In 25, we'll have the national semifinals back. And then at the end of 24 season, we'll host the national championship game in Atlanta. So great games coming through Atlanta over the next two or three years. I want to get to the college football playoff impact in just a second, but you mentioned uh, those three games that will kick off over the next couple of years. Of course, Georgia, Clemson, 24, and then uh, the other two, you had Tennessee, Syracuse, and South Carolina and Virginia Tech. Why is it important in your mind to start off the college football season with those types of games? It's the big non-conference matchups, but two Power 5 schools coming together. Why is it important to you to start the college football season with a game like that? Well, one of the things we declared is to um, have the vision to make Atlanta the capital of college football. So we went out and got the College Football Hall of Fame, paid for and sustained and move it to Atlanta. And secondarily, we started this kickoff game format with the opportunity of a 12th game being uh, put on the college football schedule. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to do something unique. Uh, we started in 2008 with Clemson against Alabama. And Alabama would tell you that was the start of their dynasty, winning that game against Clemson. Was that a coincidence that it was in your game? or Well, Clemson was number nine, <laughs> and Alabama was borderline 25. And Alabama came in, won the game 34-10, to 10, and they went on next year to win a national championship. Um, so starting the kickoff game, and then the third leg of that was getting into the CFP. And we were able to do that in 2014 uh, by hosting the first CFP game in history uh, and now at the end of this year's CFP contract in 24 and 25 we'll host quarterfinal and semifinal games. The goal now is to maintain our position in the CFP whatever it looks like in 2026 moving forward. Right, and that's where I wanted to go with this. Joined by uh, Gary Stokan, President and CEO of the uh, College Football Peach Bowl. With the playoff expanding, we know it's going to expand. The assumption is 12. It could go farther than that as the years go on. You just really never know with this, you know, this changing sport every day. But what does that mean for you? I know you're talking about hosting quarterfinals and semifinals, but for you and what you do specifically, what does the expansion of the playoff mean for you? 
Well, for us, it's great in 24-25. Obviously, you're hosting a quarter final where you're either going to have number one, two, three, or four playing against another top 10 team to move on to a semifinal game. And then in 25, hosting the national semi. This year, this past season, we hosted Georgia and Ohio State in a classic game, 24 and a half million viewers. Uh, obviously, it goes down to the last seconds mm -hmm. with a missed field goal attempt. Um, and then we're the first city to host the national championship game twice. We hosted in 17. We'll host it at the end of the 24 season. Yeah. So we want to keep in that rotation uh, to be on the national championship on a rotational basis and then continue to be part of the New Year Six hosting 24 and 25 uh, moving forward, hosting that quarter and semifinal game. I got to ask you, because SEC Media Days here 2023, we're in Nashville. Of course, we were in Atlanta last year. In your mind, uh, what, you know, the differences that you've seen from when it was there at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta to being here at the Hyatt in Nashville, what are some of the differences that you've noticed? Well, I think it's really going to grow next year with Texas and Oklahoma, obviously. Mm -hmm. They're moving to Dallas next year. Uh, I just came from Dallas. I was down at Arlington Stadium with the Big 12 Media Days. Okay, excellent. And they've grown, obviously, with four new schools. Yeah. Um, so, you know, college football is its pinnacle of interest. It's the second most favorite sport in this country, only behind the NFL. Um, obviously, we've got some challenges ahead, trying to legislate uh, across the, the country a federal NIL uh, guardrail mm -hmm. uh, rather than state by state. Uh, we've got to get the transfer portal organized a little better. Um, but I think the best years of college football are ahead of itself, and particularly in the SEC with the growth of, growth of Texas Oklahoma coming in next year. One more question before I let you get out of here. Again, Gary Stokan joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. As football season approaches, right, as SEC Media Days this week, then you've got a couple of weeks before college football starts. Anything that you get to do on a personal level, a vacation, a trip, anything like that that you get to do and enjoy before the craziness of college football starts in just a few weeks? Well, we typically take our vacations before July 4th because once Media Days hit, I was, like I said, I was at Big 12 last week, SEC this week. I'll fly to Las Vegas to be at Pac-12 Oh, excellent! at the end of the week. Uh, next week two days at uh, ACC and two days at Big Ten. Uh, so you're into August 1st, and then we got our kickoff game September 1st. So yep. we got to focus on that. Um, so, yeah, my, my vacation was having the circus in town with my four grandsons okay. uh, at our lake house uh, last week over July 4th, Yeah, which was a great deal of fun. But I think I need a vacation from that, let alone <laughs> – <laughs> traveling out all these media days. Yeah, don't let them hear that, right? Well, SEC's got to be your favorite of the media days, right? You got to SEC just does it better than everybody else. They they've got the largest crowd. They've got the most interest. Um, obviously, as Greg said today in his report, the best success of any conference in the in the CFP era and in the BCS era with national championships. So uh, we have great friends here. We've been in partner with the SEC going back to my first year in 1998. Uh, for the past 25 years, we've hosted numerous SEC teams, not only in the championship game in Atlanta, the national championship game, our semifinal games, our kickoff games. They've been very, very good people to us and very good partners to us as well. 
Gary Stokan, President and CEO of Peach Bowl Incorporated. Anything else that you want our listeners in Auburn Opelika to know uh, that you anything coming up, anything you wanted to promote really quickly before I let you get out of here? Well, we appreciate the Auburn people. They've been great partners over the years, great fan base, uh, have come to Atlanta in flocks, uh, and uh, good to see you freeze back, you know, at, in the SEC. We'll look forward to watching them play this year and getting over there to Auburn to see some games. Excellent. Gary Stokan again, president, CEO of Peach Bowl Incorporated. Thank you so much for joining me, man. It's always good to have you on. Always good to be here, Jacob. Good luck with uh, the network. Thank you. Will do. We'll go ahead and take a break, come back, wrap up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line Live from SEC Media Days. online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Couple of more minutes here in hour number one on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you, checking in from SEC Media Days on Radio Row here in Nashville, Tennessee. Carter Burr, my co-host, back in the ESPN 106.7 studio. Just got done talking with uh, Gary Stokan, the Peach Bowl Incorporated CEO and president. I had him on last year, just a fantastic guest, really good guy as well, and so enjoyed talking to him. Uh, Carter, your thoughts about what he had to say uh, when it comes to uh, the kickoff games coming up for them, he talked about you know having uh, having uh, Georgia Clemson open up in 2024. We all know how big of a game that's going to be. Uh, Tennessee Syracuse in 2025, and then South Carolina Virginia Tech in 2025 as well. Yeah, I mean the Georgia Clemson game is going to be a great one. We know that for a fact. I'm excited about that one. Uh, the other ones maybe uh, aren't the most exciting, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so that happens sometimes. I feel like you're starting to see more schools go to those home-and-home home formats, so maybe it's a little bit more difficult for uh, the the Chick-fil-A kickoff games to be set. Uh, I, but, but, I mean, I, I know that you can always go out there and find good matchups, and I hope that they continue to do so because those games are pretty fun. I mean, what, we saw – uh, was it last year? Was uh, LSU FSU? I yes. believe. Are they, are they doing that again in Atlanta this year? Uh, I no, that one's not in Atlanta. It, that one is. Oh, I don't remember where it is. You caught me off guard. I don't remember where that. It's one at is, Camping World Stadium think, in Orlando. Got you. Okay. How about that. Okay, it's in Orlando then. Well, well, That's, you know that brings that up the conversation. That is an interesting one. But by, by the way, to actually, it is. Actually, yeah, la- it really is. Last year it wasn't in Atlanta. It was in the Superdome. But still, regardless, in terms of kickoff games, to have them in two different locations like that is pretty rare. Yeah, it is. And it brings up the conversation that comes up a lot of times around this week at SEC Media Days is do people prefer – take Auburn, for example, right? Would you rather Auburn play a Clemson in a neutral site game or would you rather Auburn make a home-and-home home with a team like Clemson like you're starting to see a lot of teams do when it comes uh, to college football? I mean, I think it's a big debate. And 
for me <laughs> to give the the wishy-washy answer it just depends right it just depends on on the situation i do prefer the home and homes i think it means more for college football and for the college football fans i mean i i would if you asked me i'd pick home and home every time i really would uh and when you look at so last year i i found the the games for last year they were georgia versus oregon and clemson yes. versus georgia tech so the winning, and we know how that Georgia-Oregon game went down. Well, the, the combined score, winning teams in those games, 90. Losing teams, 13. Hey-o. <laughs> uh, I would say a little bit of lopsided there. The Georgia-Oregon game was not supposed to be that, but then everybody figured out, oh, wow, Georgia is – they're not taking a step back. They are who they are. I had to um, really talk myself into Oregon being competitive in that game because – Leading up to it, I just felt like Georgia was going to dominate. Granted, I never saw 49-3 coming in my wildest right. dreams. Right. And, and of course, Georgia Day is tomorrow, same day as Auburn. Auburn will be in the afternoon. Uh, excited to, uh, to see what Hugh Freeze and, and company have to say. Of course, we'll talk some more about that tomorrow. But How about this, In Jacob? hour number two. Yeah, go ahead. The last competitive – do you know what the last competitive Chick-fil-A kickoff game was? Just a Ooh. trivia question for you. Because the matchups were Clemson, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Oregon, Ole Miss, Louisville, Alabama, Miami, Alabama, Duke, Auburn, Washington. Going ba- I'm just going back and back and back. The last – because they had a run of some pretty competitive, really, really good games. Yeah, they did. They had some really and, good games there in, like, the middle teens of the 2000s. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had an Alabama Vatech game that was pretty good, LSU-UNC – You've had also how about this? I forgot that in 2011, Boise State beat Georgia. I forgot about that. I did forget about that. That's a good point. But I forgot the last, about that too. The last competitive kickoff game you've had is 2018, Auburn 21, Washington 16. That was going to be my guess, and, and I thought that may be it. But, yeah, I mean – you just never know, right? Because And the thing, too, is it's game one, right? You just don't know what a team is going to be. You don't know what the program is. A lot of times it's a first-year head coach. Georgia Clemson won't be that case. But, the, you know, that you run into that problem more times than not. And so sometimes you're going to get some really great games, and other times you're, you're going to get blowouts. And I, that's what you saw last year with Georgia and Oregon. But uh, this, I year, to, this year it's Louisville-Georgia Tech. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> I, I find it interesting when you have a neutral site kickoff game, conference game. That feels interesting. Yeah, always. yeah, it is a little bit, especially to start the year too. Yes, like one hundred percent. It's tough to start a year as a conference team with another conference game. I mean, we've seen other SEC teams do it at times, and that's a tough ta- That's a tough task to, what was to it, ask. Twenty fourteen, Auburn opened with Arkansas and blew yeah. the doors off them. That was the famous. That, Jeremy Johnson game. Yeah, yeah, it was the Jeremy Johnson game where everybody, everybody was like, "Who in the world is this guy, Mr. Alabama football?" And of course, we know how that ended up. But um, no, I think it's exciting. And I talked to Gary about about the expansion of the college football playoff. Of course, that's going to play a role in what the Peach Bowl does, and and they'll get to host some quarterfinals and get to host the semifinal and stuff. And so uh, I appreciate again Gary Stokan of the Peach Bowl Incorporated CEO and President joining us here on the Monday edition of On the. Once again, to show love to our wonderful sponsors who, without them, we would not be here this week at SEC Media Days. The Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in 
Auburn and Opa like it to better serve you. Tim Jones Farmers Insurance. Tim Jones has been serving the community as a farmer's agent for over 30 years. As you prepare for whatever's down the road, he is here to help. And Wickles Pickles, the South's best pickles, 90 years in the making. Get wicked with Wickles Pickles. Carter, a couple of minutes before we get into our number two, a reminder to our listeners on who will be joining us. Uh, we will have Andrew Stefaniak of Locked On Aggies. That's the Locked On Texas A&M podcast. He'll be joining us at 3.15. Then Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart, joins us at 3.30. Really excited for him to sit down at the table and talk about college football and preview the 2023 season. But Carter, wanted to allow you to comment one more time on Jimbo's Fish, Jimbo Fisher's comments on, on Bobby Petrino and pretty much declining to answer whether he'd be calling plays or not this fall. I'm not surprised just because Jimbo, like, I feel like he might be the only coach in college football that has more of a death grip on the play calling duties than Gus Malzahn. And I yeah. feel like it's the absolute last thing he wants to, wants to do because in reality, to me, that's his entire value and his entire upside. Why you hire a guy like Jimbo Fisher is, oh, he's this offensive mind that's had all this success offensively does it diminish his value now that he has to go get an offense coordinator to fix his offense and is he willing to give that up I mean especially if if they lose to Miami if they lose to Auburn and things don't yep. start great with Bobby Petrino calling plays because I'm going to assume Bobby Petrino will will start this season calling plays they don't start well does Jimbo wrestle the play-calling duties back from him to try to salvage the season? And would well, what, that actually easier, make it better? Right. What's easier, letting Bobby Petrino at Texas A&M start the year by calling plays or have Jimbo Fisher start and slowly allow Bobby Petrino to get play-calling duties? Where on the other side, if he starts and then you have to take him away, what's, what's easier in your mind? I think you, you got to give it to your offensive coordinator. You hired him for a reason. He was Which is what your, your offense said. coordinator was basically forced upon you. I think you got to let Bobby Petrino call play. We'll talk some more about it coming up in hour number two with Andrew Stefaniak of Locked On Aggies, and then at three thirty, Tony Barnhart, Mister College Football, joins us live here on Radio Row and SEC Media Days, twenty twenty three. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two, live from SEC Media Days 2023 here on Radio Row at the Hyatt Regency Hotel. Jacob Goins with you here in Nashville. My co-host Carter Bird back in the ESPN 106.7 studio. If you missed any of the first hour here from Radio Row, be sure to go and check out with the podcast later on today, ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we were able to sit down with Gary Stokan, the Peach Bowl Incorporated CEO and President, uh, talking about the Chick-fil-A uh, kickoff games and what will now be Aflac, the new sponsor for that. So we talked to him about that, the expansion of the college football playoff coming up and how that affects him. So had him on last year. What a great guest he is. So always enjoy catching up with him. Uh, also talked about uh, Greg Sankey and Brian Kelly's comments here to start SEC Media Days. We'll talk some more about that. Plus, Jimbo Fisher and Eli Drinkwitz for Missouri have taken the stage here in Nashville as well. Uh, Carter, lots to talk about again here in hour number two. And if you want to know how it's going for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, uh, don't know who it was and don't know where it was, but there was a credentialed member that asked about Texas A&M's recruitment of Cam Coleman and asked him if yep. he could speak on that. And uh, <laughs> he cannot speak on that. So that's how it's going here in Nashville. Yeah, uh, I've got a pretty good idea of how exactly that went down. And um, Jimbo Fisher's probably a guy who can best be described as prickly at times with the media. And <laughs> I think that's probably how that went. I'm currently looking on Twitter for video of that moment because I really want to find it. Uh, I haven't found video yet. I've just found people tweeting about it, and, and our good buddy Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, he says, this is why you don't hand out credentials willy-nilly. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I, I kind of agree with that. I see a lot of the, the Auburn media, uh, the Auburn beat, tweeting about it. Uh, yeah, no, I There's think... There's a lot of representation here for Auburn, man. I'll be honest. There, there is a ton of people here for Auburn, of course, with Auburn going tomorrow. And credit to, to the Auburn beat, just because I've always heard that the Auburn beat is... Uh, the hardest working beat in the SEC and maybe the country. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is – it's been an interesting day already for Texas A&M as Jimbo Fisher continues to be asked about Bobby Petrino and continues to give non-answer answers. Uh, and, of course, you've got some people asking questions that cannot be answered, which is always a good yeah. time. Right, exactly. Well, I want to show some love to our sponsors here as we get underway in hour number two on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Without them, we would not be here. Uh, the Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones, Farmers Insurance, and Wickles Pickles. And uh, before we start talking some more about what's been happening here in Nashville, in case you forgot what's been happening back in Auburn and Opelika, Auburn Network and our family of stations have now secured the rights. We are the home for Auburn University Athletics and the Auburn Sports. Network. We have now become Auburn Opelika's official flagship stations of the Auburn Sports Network for the next five years, beginning with the upcoming Auburn football season this fall in just 47 days. Auburn University football, men's basketball, and the weekly Tiger Talk show will now air on Wings 94.3, our classic rock station with Auburn Network there in Auburn and Opelika. And women's basketball and baseball will now be airing on AU100, which is the home of the Lee Scott Sports Network 
as well. Super excited to have the Auburn Tigers back on our stations, home where they belong. Uh, and if you're super excited about it as we are and your business would like to advertise during the games, all you got to do is send an email to info at aunetwork.com and we'll get in touch with you. Again, that is info at aunetwork.com if you're interested in advertising during the games this year uh, when our stations with Auburn Network. And so a big war eagle from us and uh, hopefully uh, you're as excited as we are as we are now Auburn Opelika's official flagship stations of the Auburn Sports Network, Wings 94.3 and AU100. Been telling everybody we can about it here. People here are excited about it. They know how big of a deal that is and so uh, excited to uh, hopefully talk with some Auburn folks tomorrow on Auburn Day here at SEC Media Days. But Carter, let's recap what we talked about in hour number one before uh, Andrew Stefaniak of Locked On Aggies joins us at about 10 minutes uh, to talk about Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. And then Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, joins us at 3.30. I told you that Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, he started the day as he always does, uh, started off the week here at SEC Media Days and was very, very serious. He was stern uh, talking about yep. a couple of things. NIL and gambling were two things that came Came up and he addressed them in longevity. Um, he started with NIL, Carter, and basically called out Congress to do something. He said, there are only people that can do this and make this equal and make it right our Congress. And he, he begged for uniformity and, and talked about how the athletes deserve better than the patchwork of state laws. And he, you know, he admitted not he didn't want to get political. It's not about that, but he he called on Congress to do something about the state of NIL in college football and in college athletics. Yeah, and and kind of as we have hit on, I, I right now you've got the NCAA trying to police something that I don't know if the NCAA can actually police and police effectively. And I, and I think it's going to be more and more apparent as we move forward. We have the the memo or whatever it was, email that they sent out to all of their member schools saying that, hey, mm -hmm. you better you better listen to our rules. You better comply with our rules. It doesn't matter what your own rules are, your state's rules. It doesn't matter how you've been doing it. You better follow our rules. Uh, and pretty much immediately we saw Texas A&M, who's there in Nashville today, uh, they came out and said, hey, we're going to do what our state allows us to do. We're going to follow our state laws. And, it, I mean, it's basically like a come and do something about it. And I don't know yeah. what the NCAA can do about that. And, and I mean, I, the diminished power of the NCAA, I think it creates a very unique situation there where if they try to go after A&M, I, I mean, A&M's got some powerful people that I think they can – they can tie that thing up in, in the legal court and everything and turn it into a really ugly drag-out battle. And obviously you can kick the can down the road as long as you need to because you and I believe the NCAA is not going to be a thing in a decade, maybe sooner. Yep. With all of that kind of coming to a head, I just don't see how the NCAA polices this. The only people who I think have that ability, like uh, like you saw Sankey say, would be if Congress decided, hey, we've got to set some some guidelines, some 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 guardrails here to keep everybody uh, on the same playing field, to to make it somewhat fair, 
Because right now you've got schools operating with different sets of rules, operating uh -huh. at di different levels depending on what's legal. And I think that that's created a really awkward environment in intercollegiate athletics and right now can give some schools some advantages over others and can create an imbalance. Whereas if you get everybody on the same playing field, I think you'll see intercollegiate athletics balance out a little more and you'll see maybe a little less of the Alabama just dominant dynasties for 15 years. And it might be a little harder to sustain something like that. When it comes to the coaches that have spoken here today at SEC Media Days, Brian Kelly started things off with LSU. Uh, Jimbo Fisher then spoke, and, and Drinkwitz for Missouri is up doing his rounds right now. We'll talk about Texas A&M and, and Jimbo Fisher's comments here at SEC Media Days with Andrew Stefaniak coming up in just a few minutes of Locked on Aggies. But Brian Kelly had some interesting things to say. Uh, talked about how it was a learning curve for him in year one coming from Notre Dame and playing and coaching in the SEC. Uh, and the, the big thing that he pushed really, really hard, Carter, was consistency. Consistency out of his program, out of his players, uh, finding the guys that he can trust, uh, consistency in his quarterback play with Jaden Daniels, and consistency with LSU as a program continuing to compete in the Southeastern Conference and especially in the SEC West where it's only going to get tougher, but the expectations are already pretty high with a trip to Atlanta in year one. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that now, I mean, in LSU fans' minds, the next logical step is winning the SEC, going to a playoff. And then after that, it's winning a championship. I mean, what it's been the last three head coaches at LSU have all won a national championship. There's not many schools out there that could say anything remotely close to that. I think that they're, about they're that. probably the only one. Now, it's it's... It's a wild place because you can accumulate unbelievable talent. You can win, and you can win in spite of dysfunction in your own program. We saw that with Coach O. Uh, I think Brian Kelly, in contrast to Coach O, is very much a professional. I think he's going to have a better grasp on his program, and I think he potentially could create something that could last a long time. And I've said as much. I think as you see the changing of the guard at Alabama, when you see Nick Saban start to wind things down and ride off into the sunset into retirement, and you've got Brian Kelly really spinning things up at LSU, you could see LSU uh, kind of take Alabama's seat at the head of the table and this half of the conference. I know that... Divisions are going away, so it's still going to be mm -hmm. Georgia's table at this point in time. But sitting in that number two spot, you very easily could see a Brian Kelly-led LSU program kind of unseat Alabama for that position. Carter, am I crazy to think that with all of the hype around LSU, with all of the, the excitement around year two under Brian Kelly and year two with Jaden Daniels if he gets better and does improve like Brian Kelly has challenged him to do, am I crazy to think that there could be a step back for LSU and Brian Kelly in year two because all of the hype is on them. It, I said it earlier, it's theirs to lose, and I still believe that when it comes to the SEC West. But 
if you look, and Daryl Dapperich actually brought this up to me the other day, uh, talking off air, talking about if you look at Brian Kelly, there is always a regression after having a big season. There's always a regression year right afterwards. Am I crazy to think that that could happen to LSU in 2023? I mean, they, they could theoretically lose more games or go 9-3 and three as well. I mean, you've got FSU, who is going to be really good and I think is going to win the ACC this year. You've got road games at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss. You've got an Arkansas game sandwiched in between there in those games. Uh, you've got Auburn. You've got potentially a sneaky game against the Army Black Knights there at the end of a stretch that is at State, Arkansas, at Uh-oh. Ole Miss, at, Miss, at Missouri, Auburn at home, and then Army, that's a really awkward way to end that run of just SEC team after SEC team after SEC team. Then you come off your off week, and you're at Alabama, who is going – they're going to want revenge on you for last year. You yep. have A&M on there. I don't see them – if they go 10-2 and two and don't win the West, would you consider that a step back? Because record-wise, it's, it's taking a step forward. Would you consider that a step back? For this LSU team I, in year two, yeah, I think I would. I absolutely think I would, and, and because I, just, I, we, I, I think it's very hard to be like, yeah, we got we legitimately were a better team than year one. Our record shows it as much as uh, shows it as well. And if you just don't win the West, you're kind of what you're kind of just chopped up on the side and left for dead right. because of it. And that's that's the thing. But let me say this before we get to break. An LSU team that goes 10-2 and two will win the SEC West. That, that will happen. I don't think Alabama will have a better record than that. I don't think Auburn will have a better record than that. I don't think Texas A&M will have a better record than that. If LSU goes 10-2 and two in this conference, they're going to win the SEC West. And I think that has to be the standard. And I think as crazy as it sounds to set such high expectations in year two at any program under any head coach, they expect to win the SEC this year and beat Georgia in Atlanta and get revenge for last year. And I think that's what LSU fans uh, have on their minds. I think that's what Brian Kelly and this program have on their mind. I'm just curious on... Or would we be shocked if LSU were to go 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three after all of the hype coming into the second year under Brian Kelly? I'll be, it's, I'll be it's, honest it's with an you. It's interesting I, conversation. I don't see four losses on the schedule. Like, I see FSU. It's tough to find them. FSU, maybe you lose one of the state Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, Auburn stretch. Yeah. Alabama, and then A&M. You're saying all of those have to fall that way. Yep. In order for them to go eight and four, I just, I just I don't see it barring significant injury to places where they just don't have a lot of depth yet because they're going into year two under Brian Kelly. Uh, like Jaden Daniels goes down, Nuss Myers not as good as they thought, or Nuss Myers goes goes down as well. I mean, I just don't see a very likely path to eight and four. LSU was one of the main teams here on day one at SEC Media Days. The other one, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. We'll have Andrew Stefaniak of Locked on Aggies tell us all about it when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line Live from SEC Media Days 2023. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Back here live at SCC Media Days 2023 on Radio Row in Music City, USA. Jacob Cohen's with you here in Nashville. Carter Bird, my co-host, back in the ESPN 106.7 studios. Thanks to our lovely sponsors for making all of this possible. The Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones Farmers Insurance, and Wickles Pickles. Thank them very, very much. Uh, we are joined now by Andrew Stefaniak, a good friend of mine that I met last year at SEC Media Days, has since taken over and become the host of Locked On Aggies, the Texas A&M Locked On show, uh, of course, in the big Locked On network. Andrew, so much, uh, so much happening, and we appreciate you stopping by, giving us a few minutes, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Well, look, uh, Jimbo uh, just walked by right here, just uh, got done talking in the big main media room and then the electronic media room. Um, and so with Jimbo Fisher, uh, we know that there is a huge pressure from the Texas A&M fan base to win, right? I mean, it, it's time for this team to win with all of the recruits that they get every single year. And so before we talk about what Jimbo said how did it compare to what you wanted him to say here at SEC Media Days 2023? You know, I think one thing I talked about yesterday a little bit was I wanted him to kind of be honest with the fans about what went wrong last year. Of course, 5-7 and seven, the Aggies were last year, which was as a preseason team that many thought were going to be one of the best in the country. That is extremely underperforming and underwhelming. So it kind of, you know, I, I was hoping he would kind of allude to that and then speak on, like, here's the issues, here's how we're going to fix them. And, you know, he did a little bit of that. Um, he, he, he answered some questions. He, he answered some, some concerns for me. Mm -hmm. But then he also raised some questions, too, which is, which is a little interesting, I think. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, everybody, the biggest question on everybody's mind is Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, how are those two going to work together? What is play calling duties going to be like? Don't really feel like we got much of an answer on that uh, today. What are your thoughts on that heading into 23? I'll tell you, um, I was hoping we'd get an answer, and goodness, <laughs> we did not. Um, it, the way that he was dodging that, um, Jacob, I know you were you were out here, you weren't mm -hmm. in there at the room for this discussion, but, I mean, he was, like, flat-out dodging it. Yeah, well, I saw a bunch of the quotes on Twitter, you know, people mm -hmm. talking about it, where he said, I'm not going to get into that, what he was hired for a reason, and, and that was pretty much where he left it. I mean, yeah. it, it's just, it's confusing at this point. It is, you know, because I always joke, I mean, Jimbo Fisher's play, playbook, I always call it the Cheesecake Factory menu. It's too big. <laughs> and, you know, his offense hasn't worked. The, the, the players were there to succeed last year on the offensive side of the football, and it just didn't pan out yeah. numbers-wise, points-wise. So, you know, you bring in Coach Petrino, a historic college football mind, knows, knows the, how to call an offense, how to score points at historic level. And, you know, I, I think this Texas A&M team could be elite, genuinely. Like that, I, I'm, I'm glad to throw the word elite around. If – Coach Fisher gives up the playbook to Coach Trino, mm -hmm. and he runs his offense with how good the defense is. In your in your opinion, covering Texas A&M with the Locked On Aggies, if you had to put a percentage number on what it would be of Jimbo Fisher giving up full control of offensive play calling with the playbook and, and the headset and everything, if you had to put a percentage number on that, of that actually happening, what would it be and why? Um, you know, I, if you would have asked me that question two hours ago, I would have told you – 80%. I was 80% okay. that he would give it up. You asked me that. Now right. I'm going, I think it's split down the middle 50-50. Really? Okay. And my reason, I mean, that the way he was dodging that to me really stood out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's not something, you know, people expected, you know, are expecting Coach Petrino to call the plays. Mm -hmm. So when he came out and kind of like avoided that answer, it's like made me wonder, like, why are you avoiding saying that? 
it's no one's going to be surprised by that answer. That's what people want to know. Want to know how that's going to work. So, I um I I'm starting to be concerned. And as you know, Aggie fans, I think should be concerned about what the season's going to look like if because this could blow up. I mean, if it's those two guys, those two minds going together, I mean, angry at each other on the sidelines, this could blow up, and that's a concern for me. Andrew yeah. Stefaniak, host of Locked on Aggies, joining us. Go ahead, Carter. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this season, this 2023 season, uh, I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy schedule for Texas A&M. You're coming off a 5-7 and seven year. The pressure is on for Jimbo Fisher, and uh, Bobby Petrino may not be known as the most stable influence in your program. <laughs> So, I mean, if things start poorly, Jacob and I talked about it early, earlier today, if you start 2-2 two and two and you lose that Miami game and you lose that Auburn game, do you see those two start to butt heads and could this thing just really spiral on A&M? You know, it's funny. Frankly, you know, I think that's a great point. But to me, I don't think that it's going to be a record thing. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, they dropped the game in, in, in Miami, they dropped the game to Auburn at home. Like, I think that it's going to be – if they're going to butt heads, I think they're just going to butt heads. I don't know if it's going to going to be combined. I think they could be eight and zero. You know, they could be going to a college football playoff. And, Interesting. And so, you know, that's that's my thought. There is, I I don't think it's going to be record based. I think it's going to be like how the dynamic works and then just kind of egos going at one another and see how it pans out. You alluded to uh, the fact that Jimbo Fisher may have alluded himself to what could be a possible quarterback battle in Aggieland. It seems like it's been Connor Wegman, and, and we know that he has a lot of improving to do and, and really some ground to make up when it comes to being a, a, an elite quarterback in this conference. But any concern that there is a quarterback battle in Texas A&M? Same thing. If you, you know what? If you would have asked me to put a percentage on it two hours ago, I would have said 99.9. It's Wegman's job. And now, I, I, if it hadn't gone down as much, I'd say I feel about 80% confident he's going to win the job. But, um, you know, I think as media personality, we know how to quickly pick up on the difference between coach speech and um, you know genuine, yeah, genuine converse, you know, genuine feelings towards something. And it really felt like the way he was talking that there was concern of a I mean, that there was a genuine quarterback battle so you know i've been talking a lot about max johnson's a solid backup quarterback in this conference genuinely you know he's played here before coming from lsu he, he's a guy that's been here done it before but um wegman you know former five-star recruit talented player I thought, I think, I still think he wins the job, and I think he's going to surprise some people, but I definitely would say that I think there's more of a battle than many thought going into today. Interesting. Well, one more question again, Andrew Stefaniak, host of Locked on Aggies. P plug all your plug, plug your podcast. Tell everybody where they can find it before I get one more question in because the music's going to kick us out in just a few minutes. Yeah, of course. Well, those of you local to Auburn, I do write for Auburn Daily. Um, and then the podcast is, of course, Locked on Aggie, so you can check me out there. Um, follow me on Twitter at Andrew Stefaniak. But, yeah, I mean, I cover I cover the Braves. I cover a whole lot So at Bravestoday.com. So I cover a lot. So if any of those things interest you, go ahead and check me out. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, well, a lot of our listeners know the Braves Today. We, we use their podcast quite a bit. Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby uh, with Bravestoday.com. Let me ask you one more thing, Andrew, mm -hmm. before, before I let you go expectations for this year with Jimbo Fisher. I've told you that, and you know this, the fans are begging for wins in Aggieland. What are your your expectations, and, and really just what results are you looking for quickly here in 2023? Um, quick thoughts. I, I think the Aggies are going to show up and, and surprise people. I think they've been a team that's overhyped, and now I think they're being a little bit underhyped. Top to bottom, I think this is a top five roster in college football, and I don't think that's truly a debate. If you look at blue chip ratio and those numbers, it's it's really statistically true. 
Um, and I think it's going to click this year. And I think a big part of that is, is Coach Petrino. I'm a little concerned about what we just talked about, but assuming that he does get the play calling duties, I, I think the Aggies. I think the Aggies win nine games this year. Nine I games. Feel genuine okay. About that. Okay. Well, hey, book it. We'll see. If all, if it all comes together, the talent's never been the question at Texas A&M. It's all of it coming together there for Jimbo Fisher. Andrew Stefaniak, go check him out. Locked on Aggies. He's here all week. Hey, man, it's always a good time. It's, it's, uh, appreciate you joining the show uh, for the first time. And uh, go kill it this week, man. Yep. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. That's Andrew Stefaniak, host of Locked on Aggies, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. When we come back, I know the music's about to kick me out of here. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, joins us on the show uh, talking all things college football. We'll talk about the Bobby Dodd Foundation as well uh, and just so many great things going on here. Day one of SEC Media Days in Nashville here on Radio Row. Thanks to our sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones, Farmers Insurance, and Wickles Pickles here on ESPN 106. Seven, part of our seven straight hours of coverage on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, live from SEC Media Days 2023 here on Radio Road. Jacob Goins with you representing in Nashville. Carter Bird, my co-host, back in the ESPN 106.7 studios. And as promised, we are joined by Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart, and the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year Foundation board member. So great to see you again, sir. I'm so glad you came by again. I hope you're doing well. I am doing very well. It's just hard to believe. I told my wife it was going to be the fastest summer ever, and she said, man, when I was getting in the car to drive here yesterday, I said, man, were you right? Yes, it, it's short summer. Crazy how fast a year goes, too. It seems like we were just sitting in Atlanta at the, co at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, uh, uh, it has been quite an interesting year, and this year – the next two years are going to be very, very interesting. Well, we were talking before we, we came back here on the air and talking about Media Days being here in Nashville this year compared to, you know, the other places it's been, Atlanta, of course, Hoover, for so many years. What do you think about it all right here in Nashville? I, I like moving this event around. I think it's good for the company. Now, we, we heard today, to no surprise, next year when Texas and Oklahoma come in, mm -hmm. guess what? This event, the Media Days, is going to be in Dallas which was totally predictable. I think you need to move it around, let uh, recognize the footprint of your conference, yep. and uh, make it available to a lot more cities, and I think that I think that's good for the conference. But a note that Commissioner Greg Sankey did talk about was the fact that the SEC championship game for football was not moved out of Atlanta. Yeah, I, I like, the reporter was obviously a Nashville-based reporter, and he just said, you know, they're building a brand-new dome stadium <coughs> just down the road and would you ever consider moving the sec championship game out of atlanta and the commissioner went nope we're good <laughs> well yeah he pretty much shut that one down quickly but he did note that the basketball tournament is here in nashville right. so the city does have that going for it too but uh, let's talk about you a little bit and uh your new book that uh that you wrote it's called uh, the 19 of green let people know what that is and, and what it's about well in the fall of 1970 i played on the first ever integrated team at my high school uh, I'm from Greensburg, actually from Union Point, Georgia, which is in Greene County. Greene County is uh, right halfway between 
Augusta and Atlanta okay. off of I-20. Yeah. In the fall of 1970, the courts ruled that we would integrate the schools because uh, we were dragging, we were dragging our feet uh, mm -hmm. and doing that. And so this team was put together uh, when the two schools merged and when spring practice was over, we had 19 players. And so it was the 19 to green. Wow. We're going to take the 19 guys we got and see how we do. And we, we, won, uh, we won a division championship and played for a region championship. But the book is really about the fact that 52 years later, a lot of us are still in touch, that we bonded, we all bonded as a team. It didn't matter about skin color. And when I, when I sat down to do the book, the, the team picture you see there at the top row at number 11 is yeah. Ch Charles Turner. And I called Charles and I said, let's have lunch. And I told him about the book project. He was so excited. So we started calling our teammates while we were still at lunch. That's awesome. To let them know what, uh, what we were going to do. And uh, uh, there are 15 of us that are still alive. Okay. We lost four of the guys. And uh, I interviewed all the guys and all the coaches and faculty members and stuff like that. And it was just a, it was a labor of love to have the opportunity to do that. 52 years after after we'd all been together. Well, what sparked you to to write about this? I mean, it obviously had a massive impact on you and your life, and you wanted to bring that back to light here uh, in this time. But what what sparked the idea to bring it to the to the light? I found the picture. My mom gave me a big envelope of old photos. She didn't she didn't want to keep them. She wanted me to have them. Mm -hmm. So I was going through them, and there was Boy Scout pictures and snowball fights with my brother and all that kind of. And then this picture popped up. And I said, wow, I wonder what all these guys are doing now. And that's when I, I said, this, this might make, you know, it, it's a Remember the Tigers, Remember the Titans story. Yep. And um, I decided I wanted to do it. So I called Charles, and he, he signed off on it, and we started the process. It took us about, took us about two and a half years to do it because COVID got in the way. Uh, but I interviewed all the living players and, or their relatives, mm -hmm. and uh, it was really a labor of love. Well, tell everybody, all of our listeners in the Auburn and Opelika area on ESPN 106.7, tell them where they can get it, how they can get it, when they can get all that type of information. Tell them all about that. Well, it's published by the University of Georgia Press, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Georgia grad, and they were very, very kind to me. But you can pre-order the book uh, by going on Amazon and just put in the 19 of green, and it'll pop up. Uh, you'll, you can order. You can pre-order if you choose. If, mm -hmm. if you think you like your subject, you can pre-order at a 30% discount. Okay. And uh, we're we're excited about that. Well, I am very excited about it as well. The 19 of Green, Tony Barnhart's new book. Mr. College Football joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's talk about the Dot Trophy a little bit. I know it's very, very important to you. We talked about it last year. For our listeners that are new this year or weren't with us last year, just tuning in, talk about the Dot Trophy a little bit and how your involvement in that uh, has become. Well, the Dot Trophy, of course, is named after the late Bobby Dodd who was a Georgia Tech head coach for 30 years, was at Georgia Tech for about 50 years overall. But this, this Coach of the Year award is different than the others. There's, there's an academic component to it. You have to have a 980 APR just to qualify for the watch list. Mm -hmm. It's about the Coach Dodd's uh, pillars of his philosophy were scholarship, leadership, and integrity. So it's really all about what you do. You have to win games like every coach has to do, but what do you do off the field? For example, our winner this past season was Willie Fritz from uh, Tulane. Great coach. You know, great coach and uh, had an incredible finish to his year. Had yes. an incredible year. 
And so we present the award on campus at a banquet. So we, we a party of about 10 of us went to Tulane and had it that night. And this is, I love the story. It tells you what it's all about. We showed up at the football stadium. They bust us over. Mm-hmm. And the entire Tulane team was there to greet us. That's awesome. And welcome us to the uh, thing. And that, that's, that was Willie Fritz. And yeah. So, and it was, a, it was an incredible night. And uh, the, the, the Dodd Trophy presented by PNC, of course, is very, very special. And it seems like a lot that has to do with each winner, the head coach, is about the culture that they have yes. implemented at their current program. And I think that the, with Willie Fritz at Tulane, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest stories in college football. No no question about it. And, and that's, that's what we strive to do when we present it. And you go by and look at the list of Dodd winners, and they all have that component. Nick Saban is a former, uh, former winner, and so uh, you know people like Mac Brown. Just it's just a special, special award. And I'm very happy to have my name attached to it. Of course, Brian Kelly, a former winner as well in 2018 right. at Notre Dame. He's here today, or was earlier today, representing LSU. So let's talk a little SEC as we're at SEC Media Days 2023. Who do you want to hear from the most when it comes to coaches, whether it was the three that have already gone today or some that are coming up later this week? When it comes to SEC head coaches, Mr. Barnhart, which ones are you looking forward to the most and why? I'm very much looking forward to Nick Saban at Alabama because he, he's in an interesting spot. Think about this. He's been in Alabama since 2007, mm-hmm. 15, 16, whatever the number is. He has never gone three straight seasons at Alabama without winning a national championship. And now that's a possibility. Uh, and now that Georgia's won two in a row, somebody else could win the national championship. And so I'm anxious to see what his tone is. Because I was really in, I was, well, I was entertained earlier this year. He started t- having that talk about, well, you know, we should have been in the college football playoff. Yeah. All these people were telling me that we would have been favored against three of the teams. In the, so that, Get four of the best teams Nick in. Nick right? Saban didn't think for one minute that his team should have been in the national championship playoff. What he was doing was what he always does is he talks over our head mm-hmm. to the, directly to the players and say, look, guys, the committee hosed you guys, absolutely hosed you. You should have been in. And so, but nobody thinks you can do it. Nobody thinks we can do this but us. So he's got his team in full-blown revenge mode. And I'm anxious to see what his attitude is when he's here on Wednesday. Correct. How much do you think, do you think he'll bring that up on his own or will it have to be a question for one of our media members for that to come out from Nick Saban? If it's important to him, he'll figure out a way to work it into the conversation because he always does. He, He never goes into anything. He has a preordained talking points list that yes. he wants to get. He said, while I'm here, I'm going to make these points and get them done. So I don't know if anybody's going to ask him, but if it's really important to him, he'll figure out a way to do it. Tomorrow on Tuesday here at SEC Media Days is Auburn Day. And, of course, head coach Hugh Freeze will be here, uh, not his first time in Media Days, but his first time representing the orange and blue. Right. What are you listening for tomorrow when he takes the main stage representing Auburn? Yeah, I, I have no idea what to think about Auburn. Now, Hugh Freeze's track record is that once he gets the quarterback position figured out, everything else seems to fall into place, and they, they have pretty good teams. But I just don't I just don't know about Auburn. I just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I, I don't. I never think it's a real good sign to add quarterbacks after spring practice because you didn't get a chance to work with them that much. So, mm-hmm. but I, I could see Auburn having a pretty decent year. But I wh- here's the question I have. When the media votes later on this week and they make the announcement on Friday, is Auburn going to be last? 
Are they going to be last? That's a good and, question. And I think that's a possibility because you look at the other teams in the West, everybody's got some sort of hook. You know, Mississippi State's got a 4,000-yard passer. Mm-hmm. You know, Ole Miss has got 97 quarterbacks that he's going to, you know, choose from. Uh, Arkansas has K.J. Jefferson, who's a marvelous player when he's healthy. Yep. LSU we know about. Alabama we know about. Texas A&M. They've got talent. They've got players. One of the biggest wild cards, though, right? Absolutely. And so that's why it's hard to know what to do with Auburn until we, they get the quarterback situation figured out. Well, Mr. College Football, let me ask you, where would you put Auburn going into 2023? I'd, I'd have to put them last because I don't know. You know, if they had an established quarterback and knew who it was going to be, then maybe because Auburn's got, ta- you know, he freezes like everybody else. He went out and got guys mm-hmm. uh, and added, spiced up his roster. So, but right now I'd have to put him last. But I still think once he gets, if he gets the quarterback situ- situation figured out, then they'll be, they'll challenge, they'll challenge. They'll, they'll, they're not going to win the division, but they would give everybody a tough time. When you look around the rest of the Southeastern Conference, you have Georgia coming off a of back-to-back national championships, mm-hmm. trying to get three-peat over in Athens. Uh, and you look at Alabama, you talked about Nick Saban just a little bit. LSU, if Jaden Daniels continues to improve, they have a real chance to get back to Atlanta, maybe even win the SEC championship. If you had to pick uh, an SEC squad to be represented in the four-team college football playoff, who would it be? I think it's Alabama. I think they're going to figure out they're going to figure out some things that we playing at a very emotional level. Let's see what happens when they play Texas on September 9th, see what that's like. I mean, Alabama should win that game at home. And they get to play LSU in Baton, in Tuscaloosa. I think I think that's a factor as well. And it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football with the Bobby Dodd Trophy and his new book uh, that's coming out, The 19 of Green. Thank you so much again for your time. As always, I enjoyed it, sir. Always good to be with you. Take Thank care. you very much. This is the Monday edition of On the Line. When we come back, Carter and I will wrap it up and then The Drive with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck. All coming up on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, live from Radio Row at SEC Media Days 2023 in Nashville, Tennessee. Jacob Goins with you in Nashville. Carter Bird, my co-host, back in the studio. And then Dan Peck of The Drive sitting down to join us for the final segment before him and Bill Cameron hop on from 4 to 6. And uh, uh, just so much going on today. It's been such a good show, man. It really, really has. Day one has already flown by here at SEC Media Days. We talked to Gary Stokey and the Peach Bowl Incorporated CEO and President back in hour number one. Here in hour number two, we talked to Andrew Stefaniak of Locked on Aggies and just got done talking to Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Always a pleasure to have him stop by the table here at SEC Media Days. But uh, Dan and Carter, let's wrap this thing up. Got a few more minutes. We'll start with Dan. Uh, your Just your reactions to the three coaches that have spoken today with Brian Kelly, Eli Drinkwitz, and of course Jimbo Fisher and what SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey had to say. Yeah, you know, Eli's always fun. I think he sort of assumed the, the Mike Leach role of, of the wild card at Media Days, who might say something that's a little more ridiculous than, than what other things say. But Eli, you know, the, the lack of a buffer is what one of the endearing things about Coach Eli Drinkwitz has been since he was a, an Auburn assistant, uh, you know, back in the day. Uh, Jimbo Fisher and Brian Kelly are guys who have spoken uh, to large groups 
before. They, they know, I think they both were extremely prepared. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was ready for the questions about Bobby Petrino. I thought he gave a great answer to the final question Jimbo Fisher took in the electronic media room, which was a question about how he approaches a season where he's on the quote-unquote hot seat. Right. And he had, a, he had a great answer to that about the pressure he puts on himself even when things are going well. You know, it's not, it's not as though the pressure builds because last season was, I mean, if coming off, and this is a guy who's won a national championship as yeah. a head coach. He knows the pressure of having to defend a title. D- didn't seem like he's shaken at all by the pressure. And he's under as much pressure as anybody in, in big-time college football to produce this year. He couldn't have told, you know, wouldn't have been able to tell based on how he reacted today. Did you like the the response he gave about Bobby Petrino? Because he was asked about if he was giving up play calling. And he he sort of shook it off and said, I'm not going to get into that. I hired him for a reason, blah, blah, blah. Did you like the way he answered that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's delicate because they're going to, you know, I, I don't know how much information he wants to, uh, to you know, to, to, uh, to, to have out there about, yeah. about the job. It. It's a little surprising that he wasn't uh, more, uh, you know, more effusive about about the job Bobby Petrino is going to have and, and his roles offensive corner. It made it seem like he will still be very involved in the offense. But Jimbo Fisher has always been very involved in his offense, so I, I can't imagine he's going to be uh, as hands off as some other coaches are. Uh, but no, that that's one of the more interesting things in the whole league is is how will Bobby Petrino fit in, not just back in the conference, but but for a coach who has always had such a hands-on role in his offense and, and was calling plays as recently as last season, what does that marriage look like? Connor, uh, Carter, your analysis of what you've heard today from Brian Kelly and Jimbo Fisher and Drinkwitz, too. I mean, I, I think Brian Kelly is pretty confident going into year two. I think he's more comfortable. I think he has a right to be that way. After winning the West in year one, bringing back his quarterback, bringing back his uh, – leading running back his offensive tackles a lot of skill returning on that team maybe the best defensive player in college football in Harold Perkins a lot of reason for excitement in Baton Rouge in College Station I'm I find it interesting the way that Jimbo danced around that play calling question because everybody's expectation was for him to hand it off because he needed help there uh, I'm really curious to see how that develops over the course of the season with Bobby Petrino, who's not exactly a stabilizing force in college football. Uh, at, in fact, he may be the least stable force in college football. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I think that's two guys um, with very big personalities that think a lot of their abilities as offensive coaches. I, I want to see how that marriage uh, kind of develops over the course of this season. I'm curious to see um, how how much can A&M bounce back from what was a horrific season last year. They did finish it off well with that win over LSU in what was mm-hmm. essentially their bowl game. So they have that momentum, I guess. But I'm very curious to see what Connor Wigman, how he looks. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating year for Texas A&M. Missouri, um, you know my, my opinion on, on Missouri, Jacob. I want them to prove <laughs> that, that they can win in yeah. any sport in the SEC right now because it's, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen them compete for SEC championships in this league. Uh, going back to what t- Tony Bar- Barnhart was saying last segment, I'm a little fascinated that he has Auburn picked as low as he does. Because I am too. And he keeps citing, I am too. He keeps citing the quarterback. 
Look, yes, the quarterback battle's not technically over, but for all intents and purposes, it is over. It is Peyton Thorne's job, and I think everything I have heard about summer workouts and his work ethic and his leadership makes me believe he's going to be the best quarterback Auburn's had in a minute here, and I think he's going to show up and show out this year in 2023. Well, you bring that up, and we got about a minute or so before the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck comes on here on ESPN 106.7 to wrap up our seven straight hours of coverage here at SEC Media Days. That's all brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones Farmers Insurance, and Wickles Pickles. Looking ahead to tomorrow, day two of SEC Media Days, Vanderbilt and Clark Lee will start things off tomorrow morning, and then Georgia and Kirby Smart will be in the morning session as well. Then in the afternoon, Mississippi State and Zach Garnett. We'll see what he has to say following uh, following the, the passing, of course, of Mike Leach and what this year could be for Mississippi State. And gentlemen, tomorrow's Auburn Day. Hugh Freeze will be here with Luke Deal, Elijah McAllister, and Cam Stutz. Excited to uh, see and hear what they have to say. Uh, the goal is to have one, two, three, four, all of them at some point, hopefully, on the show. We'll see what we can get. Uh, if they stop by, great. If not, you know, we'll, we'll do our best. But that's what's coming up tomorrow. Again, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Auburn, Mississippi State, on day two here in Nashville at SEC Media Days. Again, thank you to our sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Tim Jones Farmers Insurance, and Wickles Pickles. I'm excited about tomorrow. I hope you guys are as well. Dan, uh, I'll sit in on the first segment of the drive with you and Bill talking a little SEC Media Days. Carter, thank you so much for holding down the four back in the studio. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And again, day two. Yep, day two of SEC Media Days. Auburn Day here in Nashville as Hugh Freeze comes to town previewing 2023 for this Auburn team. Until tomorrow, though, stay tuned. The drive coming up. Bill Cameron, Dan Peck from 4 to 6 on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. Come back tomorrow, though, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Day two of SEC Media Days. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.